Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. With this podcast being released the weekend before Easter, I thought it would be great to lead with some comments from Joby Martin. He is a pastor whose congregation includes sports legend Tim Tebow and well-known Christian author Charles Martin. He discussed with me the significance of Christ's resurrection, and his comments are coming up. Then from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, it's Jason Sobel of Fusion Global, a rabbi who follows Christ, who discussed with me how we can see the presence of our Savior in the Old Testament. And on this edition of The Intersection, also from the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Jeff Myers of Summit Ministries underscored the importance of Christians being grounded in and contending for the truth that is found in the scriptures. That is so important in an age in which you see many who reject the Christian message, whether through the apostasy of unbelievers or the heresy of professed believers, the latter of which, according to Christian apologist Robin Schumacher in a Christian Post article, is actually more harmful. His analysis is coming up. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Joby Martin is the founder and lead pastor of the Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida, and has co-written a book entitled, If the Tomb is Empty, Why the Resurrection Means Anything is Possible. He explores the significance of life change that is possible through Christ's power and takes readers through seven mountains in the scriptures, including Mount Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. The book is co-written by congregation member Charles Martin, and the foreword is provided by another church member, Tim Tebow. Here now is Joby Martin. I started looking at, at how God, when he decided to create these mountains here on this earth, we're going to study seven different mountains in the book If the Tomb is Empty, and really trace the good news of the gospel through these seven mountains. We start with Mount Moriah, where... Abraham takes his son Isaac, his one and only son, a son of his love, puts wood on his back, marches him up this mountain for a sacrifice, and then up on that mountain there is a substitutionary sacrifice in the form of a ram, literally with a crown of thorns on his head. And then we come back to the mountain that we call Mount Calvary, which is the same mountain. And honestly, a lot of Christians somehow miss that where God takes his only begotten son, marches him up a mountain with wood on his back, and he is the substitute that died in our place. And so God knew what he was going to do on all of these mountains, and it seems to me that God often demonstrates his glory up on these mountains and hmm. his love and mercy deep down in the valleys. And everybody I know is either on a mountaintop, in a valley, or somewhere in between. And so really, we start with Mount Moriah. We trace seven different mountains to Mount Calvary on our way to Easter. And that Mount Calvary holds a tomb, but that tomb couldn't hold a body. And that's what all of our faith is dependent upon. That moment that the Son of God came out of that grave and put death to death. I want you to dig a little bit deeper on that connection for us as we read that story. And it may be a head-scratcher to some people. Why would Abraham take his son to put him to death there on Mount Moriah? And then, of course, we, we think about God sending his only son to die. So give us a, a little bit more insight on the connection between those two mountains. Well, look, I'm a Bible guy. I think the only way to understand the Scripture is to use the Scripture 
as commentary unto itself. And so the best way to see Mount Moriah is really in John chapter 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, this is what he's talking about. He meets with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, surely you're from God because you couldn't do these miracles. And then Jesus jumps straight top-shelf theology. He says, you got to be born again. He goes straight over Nicodemus' head. He's like, how, how is that even possible? Do I re-enter my mother a second time? And Jesus is like, you're supposed to be a teacher of the law, and you don't, you don't understand these things. And so then Jesus uses these rabbinical tricks or, or techniques. And one, he refers to Moses lifting up the serpent. And then when he gives the most famous Christian verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him it would not perish but have everlasting life. As a, as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would know that Jesus is referring back to a story or an event that Nicodemus knew very, very well, and that is of Abraham and Isaac. In Greek, it's called protologos, or first words. And as a Pharisee, the amount of study that Nicodemus did in the Scriptures, he would know that the very first time the Bible ever referred to a father's love for a son was Abraham's love for Isaac. And then I believe that all of these connections begin to go off for Nicodemus, that Abraham offered his only son, that Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice, like Jesus carried the cross, that Isaac cried out to his father, and Jesus cries out to his father on the cross, that Isaac escaped death after they waited three days to go up on the mountain, and Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, that God provides a, a ram, which is a male sheep, with literally his, his, he was caught in the thorns, so he had a crown of thorns. And it just goes on and on and on and on that everything in the scriptures from the very beginning to the very end is pointing to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Joe B. Martin here on The Intersection. You can find out more online at coe22.com. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Messianic Rabbi Jason Sobel. He is the founder of Fusion Global and visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville and discussed the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament as well as the significance of biblical feasts. Here now from that conversation is Jason Sobel now. When Jesus celebrated the Passover, all those elements were pointing to him. They're the, the unleavened bread, the matzah that he broke and said, this is my body. Without leaven, without sin, pierced, striped, bruised, broken. Those are the physical characteristics of the matzah. It's all points to him. And just like the blood on the doorposts of the homes in Egypt, God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. And we apply his blood to our lives by faith. God passes over and we go from death to life. Well, it occurs to me, Rabbi, that you had mentioned to me earlier that you are working on a book. You'll be releasing a book here in the not too distant future about some of the holidays that we see in the scriptures. And I would imagine we're talking, obviously, about Passover and these these feasts. I would say you've got the, the Day of Atonement and Rosh Hashanah and some of these others. Is yes. that is that yeah, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
At, so there's three spring holidays, three fall holidays yeah. in Leviticus 23. At his first coming, he fulfills the spring holidays. He dies as the Passover lamb. He actually rises from the dead. The resurrection is on a Jewish holiday, first fruits. If you had a good first fruits, it was a guarantee of a later greater harvest because Jesus rose from the dead. He's the first fruits of the dead, as Paul writes, guarantee we're going to rise. He poured out his spirit on Pentecost. The same day the spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 is the same day the Ten Commandments were given on Mount Sinai. Wow. And then you have then you have the fall. Then days. you have the fall. So there's no holidays in the months in the summer. That's kind of been the period we're living in prophetically between the first coming and the second coming. Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, the blowing of the shofar. That's God's regathering the church to Himself at the final blast of the trumpet that Paul speaks of. It's the regathering uh, that He promises of Israel, and then it's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which is salvation, all Israel and the nations will believe in Sukkot is the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, the Feast of Tabernacles. Rabbi Jason Sobel joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio from Fusion Global here at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Well, you released a book, I believe it was early last year in the spring called Mysteries of the Messiah, Unveiling Divine Connections from Genesis to Today. And I sense that we've probably been covering some of that material yes, so far it, yeah. in our, our conversation. So give us some insight, if you would, as far as some of the material that you, you really wanted to integrate into this book. Yeah. I mean, one of the key things is to understand Jesus as a greater than Moses. The Messiah was okay. going to be a greater than Moses. So that's one of the things the Gospels are trying to continually show. So why is the first miracle Jesus did the turning the water into wine? What's the first miracle Moses did? He turned the water into blood. But Jesus doesn't come to bring death. He came to bring life that we might have it more abundantly. What's the sign of the kingdom? It's the new wine. Moses brought manna from heaven. Jesus is the bread of life that comes out of heaven. And he multiplied the bread for the multitude. Moses parts the Red Sea, but Jesus does something even greater. He walks upon the water. He's the greater mm. than Moses, the promised Messiah. So why is it important when you make those comparisons between Moses and Jesus and saying that Jesus is greater than Moses? I mean, a lot of us would think, well, well, duh, yeah. Why is it important that we, we really have a working knowledge of yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a, a number of reasons. I think one reason practically has to do with strengthening our faith and giving us a sense of hope. Hope is the belief that our future is going to be better than our past. And But part of having hope is knowing that God is connecting all the dots and he's in all the details. When you see how God was working through the Old Testament to point to Jesus and how he comes and fulfills all these things, it's just like, wow, God is in it all. He has a greater plan and it all points to his son. Jason Sobel here on the intersection from the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. The website address is fusionglobal.org. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests 
featured on the Intersection podcast. You can also find links to the podcast through the homepage, including a link to the Apple podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content, including recently added content from the Christian Product Expo Winter 2022 show in Charlotte. That is through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through the Faith Radio podcast feed. Search for Faith Radio podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and more. The intersection continues now with Jeff Myers. He is the president of Summit Ministries. He visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 NRB convention and discussed the importance of Christians knowing and standing on biblical truth. He also shared his approach to cancel culture, a topic he deals with in the book entitled 20 Things to Say and Do to Fight the Cancel Culture, How to Be an Everyday Champion for Free Speech. From that NRB conversation, here now is Jeff Myers. We know scientific facts exist. We know historical facts exist. Bob, we also know that moral facts exist. Uh, exist. I wouldn't, I've never had a professor, when I've made the following statement, disagree with me. It is wrong to torture puppies for fun. Mm. Everybody knows there, is, there are things we ought to do and things we ought not do. When injustice is done, we know that it's unjust because it's not the way it ought to be because we have some sense of oughtness, right? Yes. Okay, So we there just you go. start with the scientific, historical, then go to moral facts, and then we begin to just ask the question, so what is the nature of that truth? If it's possible for us to know truth, how do we know it? Well, some things we can know through reason. We can know, for example, it's 3,000 miles or so from New York to London. And even if you believe the continents touch and you're flying, you should still take enough fuel to go for a 3,000-mile journey. So we know that that's so. We also know that if I were to jump off of a tall building, feeling like I could fly, I will go down because of gravity, not up, even if I have a strong sense of upness in my approach to life. So the question really then is, if we know there is something out there that is true, that's true for everybody everywhere all the time, where do we go to find it? And we have to go beyond reason to revelation. And that's where the biblical worldview comes into play. So I don't often get that long to explain it, but that's sort that of was the good. approach. That was good. Very good. <laughs> because I think we do need to be convinced, we need to be convicted in our, oh, in our own hearts of the Bible is true. The principles that we find that God has given us in order to guide our lives, that they are true. And if we believe that they are true, then that is going to produce action in our lives that's consistent with that truth. Yeah. And there are a lot of ways that you can know that the Bible is true. You can, first of all, look at its external verification. You can look at that the fact that it's internally reliable. It has been trans- transmitted accurately through time. We can see that what the Bible says happened, archaeology can, can discover whether or not those time people existed at those times and places and verify that internal truth. But we can also look at it historically, Bob. How, what does it look like lived out? You know, the principles of science are largely based on a biblical view of the world and mm. not of other worldviews. In order to do science, you have to believe that the world actually exists, that it is knowable, 
that you can do an experiment at time A, an experiment at time B, and you're talking about the same world. There are other things about it, it's valuable to know. That's not something that's common to most world religions. A lot of world religions say the world is irrelevant or the world is even illusion. So you look at over uh, throughout the course of history and you realize it's no wonder that 52, uh, of the 52 people who were the founders of modern science, all but one of them was a Christian. Only one oh, was an atheist. Yeah, that's interesting. Dr. Jeff Myers joining us today, president of Summit Ministries here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio. It's the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Well, you are speaking as part of a panel on biblical worldview under attack. So as we look at the challenges to the biblical worldview, and there are those that want to really eliminate a Christian worldview perspective. And of course, you've written this book about cancel culture. I believe it's an ebook that you offer e through Summit Ministries. If you just Google Summit Ministries, cancel culture, the ebook will come up. It is available for free. You can download it. Yeah. But that is an important thing to understand. It's, it's the sense of, uh, uh, in our polling, and I didn't want to get in the polling business, but I did want to understand the cultural moment in which we live. Sure. We found, for example, that about 5% of people in America say their response to somebody they disagree with is to cut them out of their life. 5% of people. About 8% of people say religious people should have no right to give their viewpoint in public. Okay? So wow. somewhere between 5 and 8% of the population is strongly anti-Christian. And yet, these individuals, apparently having not enough to do with their time, are really good at posting nasty remarks on social media, getting petitions together to try to get Christians canceled from social media platforms, um, it, telling YouTube, this video is hate speech, you need to cancel it, all of those kinds of things. So hey, it's a very small percentage of the population, very cranky percentage of the population, but one that Christians are uh, very much afraid of, and they shouldn't be. Jeff Myers here on The Intersection from NRB 2022. You can find out more by going to summit.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Christian apologist Robin Schumacher, exclusive columnist for The Christian Post. In a conversation he and I had, he highlighted material from several columns centered on the book of Jude, in which he highlighted apostasy and heresy and differentiated truth from error. Here now from that conversation is Robin Schumacher. When you're talking about apostasy, if you, if you look up the actual Greek terminology, you're looking at something that means an abandonment, you know, a walking away from, uh, that type of thing. And, and that does differ quite a bit from heresy, which, if, again, if you look up that particular Greek term, it's going to talk about causing divisions, factions, uh, teaching that deviates from the foundational norms of a particular faith. Um, and from a spiritual warning perspective, you know, with apostasy, we're told that's going to happen and, and not to be surprised. As an example, if you look at Jesus' parable of the sower, who was sowing seed. You have four different types of, of ground that it hits. Uh, two of the four are describing people who seem to be believers and yet abandon the faith in some form or fashion. You know, it's sobering to realize that only 25% of the seed that Jesus talks about in that parable actually uh, produce fruit and are true believers. Uh, but again, we're told that that's going to happen, and that doesn't do so much spiritual damage and bring a, 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 
danger, if you will, to the church, like heresy. Because with heresy, again, what you've got are, are teachings that are brought into the church that are, again, deviating uh, and combating the actual truth of God's word. And when you look at the New Testament in particular, 26 out of 27 books of the New Testament warn against heresy, warn against false teaching. And the reason for that is very simple. Eternity is a heck of a long time to be wrong. And none of us want to be wrong when it comes to salvation, uh, relationship with God, and so on. And so I think those are the distinctions between apostasy and heresy and why heresy in reality is much more dangerous to the church than, than apostasy. And I want you to draw the distinction, if you would, or, or actually to explore some of the similarities between the church in the day of Jude when that New Testament book was written and what we're seeing in the church today. Yeah, so if, if you're talking about the particular set of heresy that Jude was combating, most scholars will tell you that he was addressing the teaching of what is called Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the term Gnostic or Gnosis just basically means to know, but what, what you're looking at here is, uh, again, a second century belief system um, that had a complete perverted view of the creation of the universe and what have you. Their, their thinking was that this, this lesser God created all the physical things that we know about ourselves, the, the world, and, and what have you. Um, and they believed that all matter, all physical aspects of life are bad. Uh, that was a mistake. And all spirit is good. And so they began to teach that it didn't really matter what you did with your body. Any types of immorality or whatever you used to do, you know, you would do with your body didn't matter. Didn't affect your eternal standing with the creator whatsoever. You could sin to whatever degree you would like inside, you know, your body and you would be just fine. And I think that's what Jude is talking about when he begins to talk about how these people are ungodly. They, they uh, turn the grace of God into license. In other words, since I'm saved, it doesn't matter mm. what I do. Um, and in a very real ways, the Bible talks about, you know, they deny Jesus. And Paul talks about how people by their very deeds deny Christ. That's the fruit that you produce, um, you know, will show who you really are. So I think that's what was going on back then. And in today, you see a lot of the same type of thinking. I mean, again, look at a lot of the church failures, look at a lot of the practices or what have you. Um, when it comes to God's moral code, those are kind of sloughed off. They're not really thought of as... Um, something that is absolutely critical and important to obey. And a lot of the fake teachers that will come into the churches or what have you, sooner or later their true colors begin to emerge. And you either see uh, a, a compellingness toward greed, physical wealth, or things along those lines, and again, physical immorality that sooner or later comes to light. Robin Schumacher here on The Intersection. You can find him at christianpost.com. Just search for Robin Schumacher. That is spelled S-C-H-U-M-A-C-H-E-R. 
We're nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you will find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the Intersection Podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And there's The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, you can get connected to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org and find a link to the Meeting House homepage. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.